Hello, Andrew, and welcome back. Um, it's been an interesting August. Uh, we had announcements from the Federal Reserve that they hope to reduce their asset purchasing later in the year and decouple tapering from any hikes in interest rates. There's also been some rather underwhelming economic data from the US, or a downshift, as the Fed likes to call it. Are you worried about the outlook for growth in the US uh, or other developed markets, for that matter? Uh, yes, I am, uh, Richard. It's something that um, you know we should be taking seriously as we uh, look through third quarter into the fourth quarter, um, and especially into 2022, uh, that there is quite a fiscal cliff uh, when we look to the US and um, you know, challenges around the world with how growth has been developing. It's especially important when you consider that combined with that, we're still seeing signs that there are pressures being felt in supply chains, in the ability to get the right level of um, skill sets into certain jobs. And so therefore that mismatch creating its own problems for different um, employers as well. And then more broadly is that the cost inputs uh, you know, continue to stay pretty high. So I think it's an interesting mix where uh, you know, some of the growth dynamics, we're going to have to see more action to be able to support that just at a time that the central banks are actually looking to pull back and have been pulling back some of their uh, level of intervention. Um, and also that, uh, you know, fiscal policy, you know, where does that go next? And uh, I think it will become a uh, you know, more of a focus as we go into the US and they look at the debt limit as well. Um, so many things that highlight that there's a little bit more concern than maybe we've had to, to really think about in recent months. A, a tricky situation then. Are there any obvious solutions or, or next steps? Uh, so I think one of the challenges that will be most important to um, address is just uh, you know, how we can find this level of uh, the right mix of fiscal policy and still that monetary support to allow us to get through still what a, quite a challenge in opening up of economies um, you know overcoming some of those uh, you know constraints that we've been seeing now I think that there isn't an easy um, solution for that uh, I think it does take time and it takes the degree of, uh, of support to continue and that's where some of the the challenges come from that uh, you know we're reaching a point where this desire to, to roll back some of the support for economies Economies to be fully uh, reopened to uh, address and, and hope that that will also feed through to some of the uh, constraints we've seen. But the part that we're seeing is that they aren't going away, and therefore, um, you know, it's something that will become more meaningful uh, over the course of the next uh, few weeks and months. So, what does that mean for the U.S. dollar? Uh, well, I think this is uh, one of the key things that actually is playing out from the introductory comments you you made, and then how this can play out in terms of uh, you know the policy actions. Um, so, first first of all, I think there's uh, you know very clearly from what uh, Jerome Powell said that this uh, willingness to uh, look at how they pull back some of the, the QE um, accommodation, but not to be moving interest rates. So in effect, I think they've, again, lots of words have sort of deferred that profile. And actually, as growth comes off, most probably gives them the cover to not be as rapid in that QE withdrawal as maybe uh, we thought a few weeks ago. And combined, though, with pushing out um, any rate increases. Uh, and that at the same time that there is obviously a conversation around the fiscal policy uh, front and trying to have another um, you know, boost and stimulus there. So creating this significant deficit profile that we haven't seen for a while in the US. 
And at the same time, around the world, it's been interesting that you are seeing just at the margin a scaling back of how much uh, liquidity is flowing through markets. And especially when we look to, to China, quite a focus on to you know, the active deleveraging and managing the economy for a future resilience that means actually um, uh, you know, controlling growth in a slightly lower trajectory than we've seen um, previously as well. So all of these factors playing into the fact that you expect the dollar to fall. Yes, they do. And, and I think that it's actually a combination that could mean that we see quite a significant uh, level of repricing for the dollar as the combination of US policy settings um, that say that they do want to continue with a policy that on balance is very accommodative. And I think another aspect to this is that the focus on to employment gives them cover to do that. And I, and I do wonder whether there is a part where, uh, you know, the great sort of demise of Nairu, which is the non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment, um, all of a sudden is replaced with its, uh, you know, very much strong comeback. And that's being driven by, you know, as we're seeing that the number of jobs available and those people who could actually fill those jobs, um, uh, you know, is actually at a rate that uh, is below uh, one. And so saying that there's real pressure in the employment um, environment with, uh, you know, for companies. Companies at the same time that the unemployment rate is still way off of that three and a half percent target, and some of the individual um, criteria that uh, the Fed are looking for within the overall unemployment dynamics that they address. So there's an interesting gap there, which means that they could have room to stay more accommodative for longer at a time when actually the pressures are building up much, much more significantly, and therefore that could have a valve in the dollar um, going down. Okay. Now, if you've got those factors playing um, in the US economy and on, on the dollar, what does it mean for um, emerging markets and um, emerging market currencies? Is this the, the reverse uh, picture? Yes. Yeah, so I think there's um, a couple of things that are important there. That one, again, you have to be careful not to group everyone together. So um, uh, you know, what is the position for some of the individual countries where we look to Asia, to look to Latin America and other parts of, um, uh, of the world? But within that, there is a, a general thing where you've seen improvement in uh, some of the current account positions for developing economies economies, you're seeing that um, their ability to move back to a slightly more stable position has been um, uh, impressive. And uh, and therefore, uh, you know, when we look at the uh, that respective position of policy settings, I think it very much plays um, you know, in their, their favour. But it may be you know, the big part here is that you've got the circumstances in place for the dollar to be generally weak. Um, and then that playing out uh, you know, very beneficially for some of these uh, currencies that really have a stronger, more stable eco- economy at the moment. And just thinking about um, allocating in a world like this, where things are, are changing, and you, you've pointed out the differences between different parts of emerging markets. Is it time for a standalone allocation for China? Or is it all right still to um, to think of China within the broader um, Asia allocations? And I suppose we're asking this um, at a time when the Chinese government has been intervening very visibly um, into uh, the way companies are, are run uh, in, uh, in China. Yes, and just on that last point, I think it's important as well. We've discussed uh, many times over recent months of the sometimes the lack of um, maybe understanding of the China policy towards this both domestic resilience and long-term economic um, development. And I think that what we've been seeing more recently is, is again, this um, desire to play to those um, uh, end goals. And so 
I would look at that as being uh, you know, very challenging in the short term, but very constructive for the medium term and longer term, because it means that they're building in the sustainability of um, how they can approach you know, developing growth, having within society uh, that level of maybe a little bit more, um, uh, you know, the middle class development continuing, um, taking all of the income per capita uh, up across the, the board. Now, how that feeds um, uh, you know, back into to looking at allocations, I think it's a very important part because I do think that you need to look at China uh, separately. It should be considered in its own right and it will be very influential, not just thinking in a benchmark sense, but actually in a real economic and science of um, market uh, um, perspective. And though that would be you know, a debt consideration, it would be uh, from an equity consideration. And I think, again, it plays back into the currency and the fact that you have a very different policy setting over time that may become more apparent as well uh, in this process. Well, Andrew, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much, Richard. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.